Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, and look who we have here. All the way from Texas, by the miracle of modern technology, Texas tied to West Virginia, tied to Stanford, Connecticut, brought to you wherever you may be. Shereen Williams here with me on this Friday edition of PFT Live. Good morning, Shereen. Good morning, Mike. Glad to be here this morning. Thanks for having me on. Not quite 4 a.m. like it was for Miles last Friday, but 6 (laughs) a.m. local time for Shireen, 7 a.m. for me. And it's timeless if you're listening on podcast. Also, we are live and available on demand on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports UK Ireland. Welcome into everybody as we start into the first weekend with more than one preseason game. We had two last night. We have games tonight. We have games throughout the day on Saturday, games on Sunday night. This is how I like my NFL week to be divided. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, because of the broadcast antitrust exemption, we can't have Friday and Saturday games from Labor Day weekend until the middle of December. But boy, it's nice to take that cluster of games and break it down into something that can be digested a little more easily. Don't you see the NFL trying to move to more days of the week, if it can, when it can be, just because, I mean, we talked about the Black Friday game that they're going to have next year, but just spread it out over over different days, and you get to talk about separate games. I really like it, Mike. I love the NFL. I hate the preseason, but I do love having so many games night after night after night. It's fun. I see a future for the NFL, and hopefully we both are on the right side of the dirt to experience (laughs) Uh it. I see a future with more teams, up to 40 at some point, more games, 18, maybe 20. Maybe at some point there's no preseason at all, and I just play 20 games that count on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and on Thursday. Friday, Saturday, still out of play until they tweak the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961, which may already be outdated in an era of streaming. They may have to tweak it anyway, but I don't put anything past the NFL, not because I'm saying they're bad or evil. I'm just saying in the pursuit of money, in the effort to maximize the return. In the effort to minimize the number of games being played at once so everybody can lock in and place your bets one play at a time, it makes sense to have fewer games in more windows and take advantage. I think Tuesday, Wednesday nights are given. It's just a matter of time. We've already seen we can do it by necessity two years ago. So it's coming. More games, more teams, more windows and fewer opportunities to feel completely overwhelmed, as we will 30 days from now when nine games kick off at the same time. I always hate that. We wait for months for football to come back, Shereen. We get a taste of it on Thursday night, and then it explodes to the point where we can't keep up with it on Sunday. Yeah, you don't get to watch all the games. Like, I wanted to see both games last night, and we got to see one game. So I really wanted to see Malik Willis play. Didn't get to see that. Just saw highlights of that. But I would love to see every game so that you can watch every single game at every time. I w- the NFL is the one sport where I would tune in. It doesn't matter who's playing. I'm going to watch. I did get a complaint from a 
reader last night that the Ravens-Tennessee preseason game included some views from behind the offense. That's something we've seen on Sunday Night Football from time to time. But this specific reader insisted that I stop. If I continue to show the offense view, I will stop (laughs) watching the games. I prefer the side view, and everyone I talk to agrees. So please show only the side view or lose me as a viewer. I don't know why he sent it to me. I I very politely asked him, why are you sending this to me? And his response was, I have no idea who to send this to at NBC. It wasn't an NBC game. It may have been a local NBC game in Baltimore or Nashville, but this wasn't a national NBC game. So your objection is noted. There isn't a damn thing I can do about it. I control what I can control. And we control the clock for two hours. We're now down to one hour and 55 minutes of show. And let's start with a guy who's taking a little break. And Chris and I have been talking about this lately, Shireen, the Tom Brady tampering angle. The Dolphins tried to get him for this year. And what kind of issue is it in the locker room? And Chris and I came to the conclusion that at the end of the day, he's all in with the Buccaneers for 2022. So it doesn't matter if the Dolphins tried to get him for this year. He's all in with the Buccaneers. All in with one exception, during training camp, I'm just going to take a 10-day break. And it was odd because as it initially trickled out that he was going to take some time off for personal reasons, people became concerned. There was speculation. Is there an issue? Is there a problem? Is there an illness that we don't know about? And the Buccaneers spent a lot of time yesterday saying, nothing to see here. This was planned. This was known. This was in the pipeline. Here are both head coach Todd Bowles and general manager Jason Light addressing Tom Brady's excused and pre-planned absence. Tom has been excused today. He will be taken anywhere. He'll be back sometime around after Tennessee. He's going to deal with some personal things. This is something we talked about before training camp started. We allotted this time because he wanted to get in and get chemistry with the guys and go through two weeks of training camp, knowing he wasn't going to play the first two games. Uh, he didn't want to take away reps from Blaine and uh, Kyle, and as well as Griff as far as going into these next two games, and it's something he needs to handle. We trust him. We talked about it. It was, like, it was scheduled way before training camp, and he will not be here until after Tennessee. This was pre-planned. We talked about this. It predates, you know, camp starting. That uh, he was going to need, wanted to take this time off that Todd talked about, and we, you know, of course, we're going to let him do what he needs to do. So he's focused as ever. He'll come back in even more focused, and we're not. It's the least of our concerns. Is he going to be ready for the Dallas game on September the 11th? He'll be ready. I mean, there's not, there's not many uh, 45-year-olds playing at an MVP level and have seven Super Bowls in their back pocket. So we're, we're not at all concerned about that. And I think that's been the reaction by many as it relates to this unusual development. There's only one player perhaps in the history of the league that could pull this off, yeah. and it's Tom Brady. And they still didn't get into details about what it is. Is it a vacation? Is it a family matter? Is somebody having some sort of a procedure? There's a lot of stuff that can fall under this umbrella of a pre-planned absence, Shireen. But the one thing we can all agree on, this isn't a usual occurrence in the month of August for any NFL team. 
No, it's absolutely not, Mike. And it's not been his M.O. I mean, he's been a guy in the past, if you look at it, his, his history in New England, like he likes to play in the preseason. He likes to do all those things that you do in training camp. And so this hasn't been something that he's ever done before. Now, personal by definition means something that you don't want to cl- disclose and it's close to you. But because we don't know what it is, there's going to be rampant speculation about why he's away from the team and was it pre-planned. I don't have any worries about him coming back and being in shape and doing all the things you have to do and being committed. But this just hasn't been something, Mike, that's been in his past that he's done before. And he also missed, by the way, two practices of the last six practices that the team has had. So he's been away from this team a lot. And he's always talked about being all in. And if you t- look, go back and look at his retirement announcement, it was the competitive juices and you have to be all in and all those things. And this, to me, doesn't feel like all in. Now, again, we don't know what it is. And if it's a health crisis with him or one of his family members, totally get it, pre-planned, whatever. But we just don't know. So that invites the speculation. And, and you do wonder well, what this means. Is he, is he away thinking about his future or is he all committed to this team and it's something else and he'll be back and be all in the rest of the way? I think it was handled very poorly from a PR perspective. It's not something that if you know it's coming, you drop onto everyone and act like it's no big deal. And why does anyone care? We don't have a problem with it. Why should you have a problem with it? I heard that several times yesterday. Well, it's not an issue of having a problem with it. It's just an issue of something happening that you're not quite sure what to make of it. And what are we here for? Why do we do this? We do this to comment, analyze, present information about what's happening in the NFL. Somebody asked me last night, why does it, why do you care? It doesn't affect you in any way. Well, none of this stuff affects me in any way, but we still cover it. We still talk about it. We're here to try to make sense of it for the fans. And when it's going to be treated as a state secret, which is a relevant topic these days, when it's going to be treated as a state secret, we're going to wonder what the hell's going on. It's human nature to be curious. We're all curious. If you're not curious in this business, you shouldn't be in this business. And something curious is happening with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So yeah, I'd like to know why does it affect me? No, but I'd like to know. And there's something about it that just seems weird. There's something about it that just seems off. And in situations like that, and it may be, Shireen, just as I said, an issue of piss poor PR, that they didn't properly condition us to be ready for this. It invites a lot of, hmm, what, what's going on here? So, again, it's his business. I don't want to pry. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything I'm not entitled to know. But they've let this happen in a way that gets a lot of people wondering what's going on. It's fair to ask what's going on. It's fair to say it's none of your business. But there had to have been a better way to do this so we all aren't kind of like caught flat-footed when it happens on Thursday. Yeah, Mike, they could have gotten out front on this, especially with him missing those other two practices to say, hey, there's going to be a time here when he's going to miss more practices. Pre-planned, it's not a big deal. If they had done that and then he practices against the Dolphins in the joint practice and then leaves, you're like, okay, well, they they said he was going to leave. We still don't know why he left. There's still questions about that. And the other thing is, Mike, 
maybe if he hadn't retired and unretired, you wouldn't have in the back of your mind, huh, is he thinking about his future? Is he going to come back? And I don't know that Todd Bowles really gave you a great amount of confidence that this isn't something to do with is Tom Brady all in for the season. Bowles said he has a pretty high level of confidence that Brady will start week one. That doesn't tell me, yeah, he's going to be here. He's going to be on the field against the Dallas Cowboys in that first game of the season. So that to me is, is the big question mark just because he had the 40 day retirement and he talked about being all in and now he's gone during training camp and he's never done this before. So that's why I have the big question mark in my mind about what's going on here truly with Tom Brady. And I hope it's that, not a health issue with he or one of his family members. That's an excellent point. And look, I don't want to make too much of this, but. And this may just be a byproduct of Todd Bowles and his kind of low key approach to everything. But. That question of what's your level of confidence it'll be there week one, that calls for a Bill Belichick eye roll. That calls for what are you talking about? Of course he's going to be here for week one. Not, well, I've got a pretty high level of confidence he's going to be. No, of course he's going to be here. He's all in. This is a pre-planned absence. This is something we discussed Months ago, he will be back, and he will be ready, and he will be fine. And I got more of that from Jason Light than I did from Todd Bowles. But, yeah. look, I, I apply Occam's razor <laughs> to situations like this, and I just feel really cool and smart saying Occam's razor. So I could just say <laughs> it over and over again for two hours, and maybe one day when it's slow, I will. But I think this is as simple as Tom Brady – considering coming back after the door to Miami was slammed in his face, right? Bucks fans, I know you don't want to hear this. Yeah. He was quitting your team to go play for the Dolphins. That door got slammed in his face. He kicked the tires on finally going to San Francisco. That door got slammed in his face for whatever reason. And now he's back. But before he came back, hey, he leveraged the situation. I want a new head coach. Oh, don't get mad at me. I'm just throwing out an example of what he's in a position to ask for. And, hey, here's my schedule for the offseason program and training camp. Here's when I'll be here. Here's when I won't be here. Never mind that it's in my wife's handwriting. This is my schedule of when I'll be here and when I won't be here. And it's part of the negotiation he may have had with her. Because I, I remember after that loss to the Rams in the Postseason. When they were down 27-3, they had shots of her in the luxury suite. We're thinking she seems not bothered by this at all because she's finally getting her husband back after all these years. We're in unprecedented territory with a quarterback playing this long into his life. So I think the simple explanation is when he negotiated his return, he asked for this time off. And the Bucks clumsily kept it close to the vest until day one of his mid-training camp hiatus. And that very well could be, Mike. And if it's something as simple as that, again, it was bad PR not to come out and announce that the day before he's leaving the team to go wherever he's going. So, and it's not like we're not going to find out. I would be, I have not, I have a pretty high level of confidence, Mike, that we're going to find out where Tom Brady is and why he took this time off. So, 
you should have gotten ahead of this and and figured out. And maybe if you know what, maybe if the penalties hadn't come out from the NFL, he would have had a press conference last week, and and maybe that was the plan. And then the the NFL issued those penalties on the Dolphins that involved Tom Brady. And so maybe the press conference was off to, to deal with this, that he was going to be away and he had something to do. Who knows how that worked out because he hasn't talked. He talked the day before the NFL issued their ruling against the Dolphins and he hasn't talked since. So maybe there was something planned there where he was going to do it. And maybe that messed up the whole PR plan for this thing, but whatever it was, it was botched big time. Well, he's not going to talk. My understanding is that we won't hear from him until his mandatory midweek press conference before the opener against the Cowboys. And will there even be a question about the Dolphins tampering with him in 19, 20, 21, and 22? They may not even get to that. Has to be. Because they got so many, but they got so many other things to talk to him about now. And, and we know how yeah. we look, I mean, and I, I don't mean this to be critical of the press corps that covers a team. It's awkward. It's delicate. You want to have access. You need to have good relationships. They get pissed at you if you ask certain questions. I don't know how much he's going to get by way of a, a thorough examination of his desire to play for the Dolphins, especially because we'll be a month removed from it. And there's a more immediate question now. Tom, where were you? for those 10 days and how much did it affect your preparation for training camp? And are there any other, uh, that's another fair question. Are there any other hiatuses that we need to know about? Are you going to take off a couple of weeks in October and they're going to let Kyle Trask or, or who's the guy? Blaine Gabbert. Sorry, Blaine. Blaine Sorry. I forgot your name. Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, somebody else played quarterback. Who knows? And obviously, they're not going to tell us until it happens. That's that's one of the problems with not getting it out in front of something. It creates a precedent that they're not going to tell us until it happens. So, who knows? There is one small chance. And I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into this other than the equivocation from Todd Bowles. I think back to when Lawrence Taylor finally decided that he was done. Lawrence Taylor shows up for training camp, and he's like, man, all these other guys are faster. All these other guys are stronger. These young guys, wow. And Bill Parcells told him, and I'm paraphrasing and maybe missing some steps, but basically Parcells told him that means you're, you know, you're old. You're getting old. It's not that they're any faster than they've ever been. It's you're slower. And I, I, I've, I've been saying for years now, six years, I think. And one of these days it's going to come true. Father Time's going to win. And when Father Time wins, he's got no timetable for when he's going to win. There's seven months of the year where there's football activity. He could win in August. He could win in September. He could win in December. But there's going to be a moment where Tom Brady says, all right, I just can't do this anymore. Now, I don't think that's happened. But when when you've got this kind of weird response from Todd Bowles instead of, hell, yes, he's going to be back. That's not a question. He'll be back. He'll be ready. He's all in. He's as good as ever. When you don't get that kind of response – it invites at least, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we're in such unprecedented territory with a player like Tom Brady. We have no idea what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, what it's going to sound like when he finally lands the plane. 
Yeah, and he looks so good in the the joint practice with the Dolphins by all accounts. Like, he looked like Tom Brady. So, you know, I don't think there's an injury or anything there. You think back to Andrew Luck walking away right before the season began, and that had to do with an injury situation. So I'm with you. I don't see that. But at the same time, Mike, he's always been about – being a leader and, and other players following him. And to me, when you step away from the team, and I, by all accounts, they don't know, the rest of the players don't know what's going on. So, you know, you're, you're telling your other players, and he's going to come back, and we know how hard Tom Brady is on the other players. Oh, by the way, I've been gone for 10 days, but don't worry about that. I'm glad you guys were here working together and, and getting ready for the season so I could step right in and play. Now, I understand. He's played 23 years. He's earned some of that credibility. He's the GOAT. I get all that. But when you're a leader and you ask guys to do a certain thing, he's always been the guy who's done even more than the rest of the team. And this doesn't feel like that to me. So there's definitely something going on here that's just extremely weird. It's out of anything he's ever done in the past. He even played, Mike, if you go back and look, I went back and looked. He even played in the first preseason game last year. Now, he didn't play much. I think he played six snaps in that first preseason game and then sat out the second preseason game. But he's always been a guy who's wanted to play, who's wanted to get those snaps, who's wanted to be there in practice. He organized the off-season activities even when they weren't supposed to during COVID. Like, he's always wanted to work. This is just, it's weird. It's just really, really weird. And two years ago, he fought through a torn MCL for the entire season. So the injury factor was very real then, and we never heard anything about it. My point is, if there is something going on, he's not going to wear it on his sleeve. And from the player's perspective, to the extent that any of them are aware of the media reports and the NFL's findings about the tampering and have connected the dots and have asked themselves, did this guy really want to be here? It is strange that a week and a half later, he's gone while the rest of them are there. This is the fundamental human problem. And again, maybe Tom Brady is so good, so accomplished, so skilled at interpersonal relations with teammates that he can get past this without it being a problem. But there is a level of resentment that creeps in. The rest of them are there busting their asses, either trying to win jobs or advance their position on the depth chart, or just get better at what they do. And Tom Brady's just gone. We're all here at training camp. We're bonding. It's camaraderie. It's a shared effort. Everyone is pulling an oar. And where's Tom? 90 guys in camp. There's going to be some of those guys that don't react well to this. With 90 people, you're going to have some that are like, it's no problem, Tom Brady can do what he wants. But you're going to have some... They're going to be saying, what? This is this is, this is is messed up. We're here busting our asses. We're sweating. We're hot. We're out here. And he just takes off for 10 days, and nobody knows where he's going or what's going on. And, you know, my, my thought is that if the players had known about this in advance, I don't know, maybe they run such a tight ship down there that no one would have said a word about it. I'd like to think somebody would have known something about it and somebody would have leaked it inadvertently or deliberately. But it's just a strange situation. It's unprecedented because everything about Tom Brady at this point necessarily is unprecedented. But to answer the questions that were posed to me on social media yesterday as we were posting stories about this, 
We cover the NFL, so we necessarily care. Does it affect us? No. Does it land on our radar screen as something out of the ordinary that requires discussion and an attempt to understand and explain? Hell yes, because this has never happened. I can't think, Shireen, of a single player in all the years that I've been covering the NFL and all the years I've been following it. I can't remember a time where any player just just left for a week and a half during training camp with no clear explanation as to where he was going or why. That's a great point, Mike. The only time you see that is for an injury, if a guy's going to have a second opinion or work somewhere else. Yeah, and that's what makes it even weirder is because there is no injury associated with this. He's just left for whatever reason, for personal reasons, whatever that entails. So I I think, Mike, if if they had handled this better, if they'd gotten out in front, and I am curious what they told the team, and I would like to know that, exactly what players are told about Tom Brady's absence, because you can't just ignore it. You can't just say, you know, oh, look in the locker room. He's not there. He's not out at practice, and have players wonder where is he. So I am curious exactly what they've told the players, and I suspect they've told them the same thing that they told us. It's personal reasons. He'll be back. Take care of yourself and let's move on. This is like an injury or anything else. He's just not going to be here for for a few days. But the fact that it's 10 days too, Mike, it's just if, if it had been, all right, he'll be back Monday, maybe that's a little less speculation. But the fact that it's 10 days, that's a long time to be away from a team. And what's the buzzword that we hear all the time from coaches? The thing they hate more than anything else, distraction. And this creates a distraction for the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. They, if, if my theory slash hypothesis is accurate that he bargained for this back in March, they've already signed that check. Now they're just honoring it. But regardless, this is something that as a team transitions from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles and they're trying to get themselves ready, this is just something. And maybe the reason they didn't say anything about it is they wanted to minimize the distraction. That's where they miscalculate. Because when you throw on top of it, a mystery that you created inadvertently, presumably, that enhances the distraction, especially if the players didn't know about it in advance. Just a weird situation all around. And I think it's going to be the first of plenty of weird situations as Tom Brady embarks on what could be his last year in the NFL. Definitely his last year with the Buccaneers. I'll be beyond stunned if he's back in 2023 in Tampa Bay. Um, but but I know some of the reaction I'm getting to what's going on now. It's just making people think even more strongly, Shereen, that he's going to be in the Fox booth next year, that there won't be a 2023 with another team in an effort to win a Super Bowl with a third different franchise, that this is going to be it for Tom Brady. It sure feels like that, Mike. I mean, you know, and he said that in his retirement announcement. He talked about the commitment that you have to have uh, to football, and this just doesn't feel like that commitment that he talked about in that retirement speech. The competitive commitment is what he called it, and this doesn't feel like that. And it does feel like that maybe this is his last season. Uh, maybe he won't be with it. And I always thought that he would play another year with somebody else to have another chance to win a Super Bowl with a third team. But now I'm not so sure about that. This, this, this does give you pause about what his future entails. But we'll see when, if, if when he comes back and if, if when he plays well, then 
Maybe he thinks he has another season in him, and maybe he gets this same agreement from somebody else. Maybe he skips all the training camp and shows up for the first season, first game. But you think about all the new parts that they have, Mike. Chris Godwin just came back to practice, but you think about Kyle Rudolph and Julio Jones and all that, and he's always been this guy who's wanted to work with his receivers. Has he gotten enough time to do that? Will he have enough when he comes back? Yes, he probably will because he is the GOAT, but I I just know how he's operated in the past and how much he's liked practice and and to be with those guys and to – figure out what they do well and how far he needs to throw the ball, all those things, just that timing you have with receivers. And this is just 10 days missed with those guys that, that he's not going to have and not going to be there. A lot of questions in Florida. If only we had a confidential informant to help clear them up. I'm still talking about Tom Brady, by the way. Uh, nothing else that's going on in Florida currently. By the way, the Dolphins door, I think, is, is, is slammed shut for Brady for 23, beyond the tampering ugliness. Yeah. There's reporting, and I believe the reporting is accurate, that Bruce Beal is on the outs with Stephen Ross. He's not going to be the next majority owner of the team. And regardless of whether it relates to the tampering and the tanking or anything else, it looks like it's on the path to being over and done. And Beal was the attraction. Beal and Brady are buddies. And if Beal is no longer the next owner of the Dolphins, I don't think Brady ends up with a piece of the team. I don't think Brady ends up on the team. Unless the attraction is so overwhelming after this year, if Tua ends up failing, the rest of the team is great. Maybe, maybe still, because at the end of the day, he's only going to play for another team if he thinks he can go there and win a Super Bowl. Yes, he's ultimately all about team, except when he's taking a 10-day break, but he's all about Tom winning the next Super Bowl. That's what he wants to do. And how, for all we know, he's going to win number eight this year in Tampa Bay. Let's move on, Shireen, to... The other big story in the NFL that I believe is going to come to a head today. At some point between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock Eastern time, maybe closer to 5, at some point in that two-hour window, I think we're going to find out what Peter Harvey has decided to do with the appeal of Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. And there have been indications all week long. The appeal was filed nine days ago. The NFLPA filed... Their written materials a week ago. The rules require an expedited process. I said all along it's going to happen this week. I think it's going to happen today because I think it's going to be a one-year suspension indefinite with Deshaun Watson being prevented from playing tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the later that Peter Harvey issues his ruling, the more difficult it will be for the NFLPA to do anything about it to get him on the field tonight because the NFLPA, I'm told, is ready to go ready with a court challenge, I assume. All I've been told is generally they're ready to go. I assume that's the only place they'd be ready to go is to court. It's not like they're ready to go fishing about it. They're ready to go to court over this. So, Shereen, against that background, the Associated Press reported yesterday that Deshaun Watson would accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine. Well, that's nice. It's a little too late for that from the NFL's perspective. And see, people get confused. They think, oh, you're you're saying that he should get more than that. No, I'm not saying he should. I'm saying he will. I'm saying that I'm reading the tea leaves here, which are becoming increasingly clear. And yet, eight-game suspension and $5 million fine, you're willing to do that now because you're looking at 17 and 10, possibly, if not more, Shireen. Mike, do you think if he had made this offer before Sue L. Robinson made her decision, the disciplinary officer, that the NFL would have accepted this? 
a month ago, say, before she issued her ruling? No, I don't. I don't think eight would have gotten it done. I think it would have had to have been a minimum of 12. Now, the five million, that's real money. That's half of what he made last year. And I think the way you would sell this is he's missing half of this season and he's treating half of last season as a de facto unpaid suspension because he's giving back half of what he made. So you put the two ends together, you get a full season. That's not a bad deal. It's too late for that. And there was some reporting about maybe Watson in the range of four to six as a potential settlement, the NFL wanting 12 before Sue Robinson issued her decision. But once she issues her decision, and there's been so much wishful thinking by the NFL PA, so much of an effort from a PR standpoint to speak something into existence that doesn't mesh with the realities of the plain language of the CBA and the personal conduct policy. Once she found that he did it, that he committed four instances of nonviolent sexual assault, it's game over at that point. Doesn't matter what she decides by way of length of suspension. Her factual findings are the only things that are binding on the appeal process. Everything else, there's nothing in there. I defy anyone to find anything in the CBA or the personal conduct policy, and I have read both of them cover to cover, fine-tooth comb. There's nothing in there that requires on appeal any degree of deference to be provided to her analysis of how long he should miss. That's completely up to the league at this point. As long as they respect the facts and they embrace the facts, she found exactly what they needed. They can do whatever they want. So at this point, Shireen, the NFL has all the power. The NFL had all the power from the moment the decision came out. And we're like, whoa, it's six games. Oh, it's six games. Take that, NFL. Yeah, but forget about that. She found that he did it, and she used words like predatory behavior and egregious and nonviolent sexual assault, and he didn't tell the truth to the investigators. That's why we said from the get-go, it's game over. The NFL has everything they want. And, oh, they're not going to appeal. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, it's not going to be a a real, you know, a rigged system. It's going to be somebody. No, it's going to be rigged. It's not the commissioner, but it's the closest thing to the commissioner. It's the guy who wrote the policy. It's a guy who's helped the NFL interpret and apply the policy. It's as close to rigged as it's going to be. So that's why. That's why they're, they're willing to do eight games and $5 million now. It's still not enough. And it won't be enough. And they won't accept it because they can impose whatever they want. The only thing they'd be avoiding by accepting it is a potential court challenge. But I think they're, they're at the point where they don't care. They think they're going to win in court, and they probably will. The union, for some reason, thinks their case is stronger than it's been in the past. I think their case is weaker than it's been in the past because they had the chance in 2020 to change fundamentally and dramatically the personal conduct policy as it relates to the appeal process, and they didn't. They gave the NFL this right, and the NFL is merely exercising it, Shereen. Yeah, and Mike, you know, Tony Busby, the attorney for the complainants, that's to me is where he got it wrong. And I know you've written about this because he should have embraced what Sue Robinson wrote because, I mean, there's just all kinds of things in that 16-page report that basically says, yeah, he did it. And, uh, I mean, look wherever you want to look, he did it. But the, the only problem that they should have had with the ruling is the six-game suspension. But that just allowed the NFL at that point to do whatever they wanted to do, and they're going to do whatever they want to do. And I've always felt like that Texans game, it's actually week 13 because they have a bye in there, but it's the 12th game. 
If he's suspended 12 games, he doesn't play against the Texans. And that's always, to me, felt like the demarcation of what they will accept for a suspension for Deshaun Watson. It's always felt that it like it would be at least through that Texans game so he doesn't play at Houston against the Texans. And I was surprised when that wasn't an early game, but that told me at that point that it, this thing's going to be at least 12 games, and it is going to be at least 12 games. I mean, anything less than that is stunning to me, and I'm with you, Mike. I think it's probably going to be the full season. But even at 12 games, I mean, he comes back and plays the last five. At that point, you're, you're probably out of it. Um, unless you can somehow manage to hang on to that point, and then he comes back. But this is a guy who hasn't played since January 3rd of 2021, and I'm going to be stunned if he plays tonight. I'm going to be stunned if Peter Harvey doesn't issue his decision, Mike, at some point today. Yeah, and as I said, the later the better because the harder it is for the NFLPA to get a court order that would get Deshaun Watson on the field. And, Shereen, I I thought it was going to be – 12 games and a $10 million fine before the commissioner spoke on Tuesday. When the commissioner said what he said and he didn't have to say anything, he arguably should have said nothing from the standpoint of best positioning the NFL to win in court. But there's a point where you pick your your fight. And we'll worry about court later because we think we've, we've got that under control. For now, this is about projecting strength, projecting discipline, projecting a willingness to be as stringent as need be in order to placate public opinion as to what needs to happen here. And I understand that there's a hell of an argument to be made that the NFL has inconsistent standards between players and owners, and that was part of the hearing before Judge Robinson, and it surely will be part of what happens next if there is some sort of a court fight, and they undoubtedly made that point to Peter Harvey. The league just doesn't care. I mean, that's where I set aside how things should be and focus on how things are. Should it be advantageous to Deshaun Watson that Robert Kraft had no discipline whatsoever after being charged with solicitation? Should Deshaun Watson's punishment reflect the fact that Daniel Snyder didn't get nearly as much as he should have by way of punishment for everything that's happened in the Washington organization? Yes. Should the Cowboys have been investigated and disciplined for apparently not reporting the voyeurism scandal from 2015 to the league? And should they be investigated and punished for it now? Probably. But what should happen and what will happen are two different things. And what will happen is the NFL will continue to gloss over, because it can, the disconnect between how they treat owners and how they treat players. And what will happen to Deshaun today is, I think, based on what the commissioner said on Tuesday... He's not playing this year. It's going to be a one-year immediate suspension because that's the best way. That's the most effective way to get him off the field tonight. They don't want him out there in an NFL uniform. They don't want him on an NFL field. It is clear and it is obvious. They do not want him around after what Judge Robinson found that he did and after what they know he did. And even though it was only based on four cases, everybody else knows that it was 24 cases. Everybody knows of the New York Times report. Everybody who's paying attention knows that it was 66 different massage therapists that he found on social media holding himself out as an NFL quarterback, as a guy who is in a position 
to get these folks to clamor for the opportunity to provide him massage services because of what it can do for their own practices. They can hold themselves out as having provided massage therapy to Deshaun Watson. That must mean they're pretty damn good if they were someone who provided their services to Deshaun Watson. He used that connection to the league to set the table for these encounters. That is going to kill him. And the fact that he wasn't truthful to the investigators as determined by Judge Robinson, that is going to kill him. You put it together, and that's what makes me think one-year minimum, and then we'll see how the league feels a year from now. Mike, this has always been a league about PR, and players are out there at the forefront, and people have a problem with what Ray Rice did, and they got blowback, obviously, from the suspension, length of the suspension that they gave to Ray Rice once the video came out, and now Deshaun Watson. And owners aren't out there. Um, Jerry Jones is, but to most extent, like, I don't know that the general public, the football, the people who watch football care as much about the owners as they do about the players. And this is something that people care deeply about one way or the other, but mostly about what Deshaun Watson did and don't want him to get away with this. Can you imagine if he plays in that game tonight, a people are going to want to watch that game B, you're going to have highlights all over NFL Network. You're going to have to have a story on NFL media tomorrow about how Deshaun Watson played because this is his first game since January 3rd of 2021, and he's with the new team. It's headlines. It's the first thing everybody talks about tomorrow morning is how Deshaun Watson looked, how Deshaun Watson played. And he, guess what? He might play a whole quarter of that game or more simply because they don't know how much longer they'll have him out there and they want to have him get some playing time before his suspension. So if you're looking at the NFL and what they do and what they care about, they care about PR and you don't want him playing this week. You don't want him playing next week. You don't want him playing the week after. And in fact, you don't want him playing all of this entire season. And I think that that will be the thing that if we had a show tomorrow, we'd be talking about it right out of the gates because I think it's happening today. We'll have stories about it at PFT. And here's the other point, Shereen, why I don't think they'll, accept anything close to what Deshaun Watson is offering now at this very late stage of the process. The NFL has to be thinking not just about Deshaun Watson, but the next Deshaun Watson. And I think there needs to be a message sent. This is what the league is saying. I'm not saying this is what is right. I'm just saying this is why they'll say no. From the league's perspective, the next time a guy gets in a situation like this, number one, number one, when you're approached quietly and privately with an opportunity to resolve it, don't piss off the lawyer. Don't just ignore it. If there's something to it, make this go away. Because if it goes away then for you, it goes away then for us, the National Football League. And when it does hit the fan, if you do foolishly handle it and create an issue and get sued and spark a personal conduct policy investigation, don't fail to tell the truth to the investigators. Own up to it. Take your medicine. Experience your reckoning. Don't double down and double down and double down with categorical denials and tweets from Shefty that he knew the truth would come out and stuff that just stonewalls the truth because the truth didn't come out 
when the grand jury decided not to indict. The truth came out when Judge Robinson said four cases of nonviolent sexual assault, egregious behavior, predatory conduct. That's when the truth came out. And by then, it makes everyone look bad. So you don't get to just show up as the NFL is preparing to exercise its unlimited power to do whatever it wants based upon Judge Robinson's findings to say, oh, I'll give you eight games and five million. No, no, no. It's too late for your reckoning. Again, I'm speaking as if the NFL were speaking, not myself. The NFL's position now, based upon everything I know about the league, will be it's too late, Deshaun. It's too late to do what you should have done when this first came up or a month after that or a month after that or a month after that. It's too late. We've got you. And we need to make sure that the next Deshaun Watson doesn't try this same routine and admits it. And now you've got you've got the people around the next Deshaun Watson have the perfect case study, Shireen, to share with the next Deshaun Watson to say to him, if you don't do the right thing now, here's what happens to you later. Well, you talked about being too late. Every step of the way, he was too late in this, Mike, starting with the uh, when he got the first case against him. If he just settled that, it goes away quietly. We don't ever hear about it. So everything in this process was handled so poorly by Deshaun Watson and his people that he is where he is right now. And he does face probably a year suspension, and he's probably not going to play tonight. So... You know, you've got to handle these things in in the right way from the start. A, it should have never happened. We understand that. But if you get yourself in a situation, then you've got to get yourself out of the situation. And he didn't do that anywhere along the way. And now he's getting what he's due to get. And it's going to be a long suspension, Mike. He's not going to play. And who knows? I mean, if he sits out the whole entire season, do you have a strong level of confidence that he's going to come back in 2023, having not played in two years and look like the Deshaun Watson that we saw for his first four seasons? That's difficult. That's that's not easy to sit out two years and come back and just think, oh, I'm going to pick up right where I left off. It doesn't happen like that. That's something the Monday through Thursday co-host Chris Sims says all the time, and he played quarterback in the NFL two years. That changes everything from the perspective of can Deshaun get it back when he finally plays NFL football again? And look, I said this yesterday, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to call people out, but I know from talking to some of the people close to this, there's just been a level of confidence to the point of arrogance that he did nothing wrong. And why aren't you talking more about the women? Remember Rusty Harden? I said I wasn't going to name names. Oops. They're all lying. Remember that? All the women are lying. Well, Judge Sue Robinson found otherwise because the four cases that were presented to her, she found they're not lying. She found that the truth is being told. She found that nonviolent sexual assault occurred as corroborated by other evidence that was generated at the time. So every NFL player, every pro athlete, especially the ones of high prominence who may be targets for these allegations, you need somebody who can sit you down and speak hard truths and not rally around you, not not just be an echo chamber or a cheerleader, but somebody who will tell you what you need to hear, somebody who's capable of understanding what's going on and saying to the player, we got we, we got to fix this. Look, we got to fix this. 
and it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Keeping our heads down and our mouths shut and periodically saying the truth will come out, we categorically deny that is not going to help. Having a card from which you read and say, I never harassed, I never assaulted, I never disrespected anyone, that's not going to fly. At some point, the truth is going to come out. So that's where they are. And the truth is coming out about their interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, I, I knew this at the time. When Mary Kay Cabot reported the Browns aren't interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, I knew at the time that that just means they're assuming a short-term suspension of Deshaun Watson. They're going to feel differently if they don't have Deshaun Watson for the full year. It's not Jacoby Brissett for a full year. It can't be Jacoby Brissett. I'm sorry, Jacoby, for a full year. And lo and behold, here we are. Now that the Browns are wrapping their heads around the fact that they're not going to have Deshaun Watson possibly for the full year, now they're interested potentially in Jimmy Garoppolo. Once they understand they may need a replacement for weeks 1 through 17, not weeks 1 through 6 or 8. And that happened to the Colts, Mike. Andrew Luck walked away, and guess who the quarterback of the Colts is? Jacoby Brissett ends up being a starter for the Colts for a season, and they figured out that he's not the guy. So, yeah, long term, he's not the guy for them. He started 15 games for the Colts in 2019, went 7-8, and eight, and played okay, but not good enough to get them where they want to go. So, yeah, this makes perfect sense for the Browns to pursue Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a better quarterback. He's more accomplished. He's done more things. Now, how do you go to a team in the middle of training camp? I thought Baker Mayfield got in late. Goodness gracious, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets to a team now, to expect him to come out and start week one is probably asking a whole lot. He's going to be learning names of guys and, and who they are and much less the playbook and everything else that, that goes into it. But he is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. So this would be the one team that the 49ers would want him to go to. They would take any, they'd probably take a bag of balls, Mike, to get. No, no, Jimmy no, 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 wait, wait. Let's stop you there. Think that, I Let's, know you, th- you oh, think no, they want no, more no. than what. They no, no, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is what they've been waiting for. This is what they've been waiting Now, look, they've been waiting for somebody to tear an ACL. But if the Browns find out today that that's it, no Deshaun Watson for 2022, all of a sudden the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo are operating from a position of strength. I firmly believe Garoppolo has gone along with this plan because he recognizes if somebody else develops an urgent need for a starting quarterback, he's getting closer to $25 million than the league minimum. Because there's desperation. It's what happened to the Vikings in 2016 with Teddy Bridgewater. We got to find a quarterback now. And I remember Rick Spielman saying at the time, the former GM of the team, everybody jacked up the price. Nobody's going to feel sorry for the Browns. The the 49ers aren't going to do them some sort of an insider deal. The the, the 49ers are going to try to take them for everything they can get. And they have to be ready to give up more to get Garoppolo than they got for Baker Mayfield. And they're going to be paying Baker Mayfield... $10 $10 million this year, which they already are doing no matter what. And they're going to be paying Garoppolo $20 million this year or more. And they got the cap space to do it. And actually, if Deshaun Watson is suspended for a full year, it helps the Browns because it tolls his contract for a full year. But uh, I, the, the 49ers, the 49ers aren't, you know, whatever they would take now or would have taken the last two weeks if somebody would have made them an offer for Jimmy Garoppolo, that's out the window. The moment Deshaun Watson's gone for the year and the Browns are desperate for Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, I, 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 I'm not saying they're going to get a first round pick, 
but they're going to get more than what they got for Baker Mayfield. But don't you feel like they want to send him to the Browns to get him away? If they cut him, I mean, there's a very good chance he could end up with the Rams and the Seahawks. I just have in my mind that they would absolutely love to send him to the Browns as opposed to cutting him. So I, they're rooting for this. But what if the Browns stick firm and say, we're not giving you more than a seventh-round pick? What do the 49ers do at that point? Do they I think hold they, on and I, I cut think him they flash, and let him go? I think they flash one of these four fingers, and I'll let the audience decide which <laughs> finger that they will flash if the Browns do it. The 49ers will be operating from a position of strength. And they are not. And they're, they're going to say, we don't care if he goes to Seattle. We don't care if he goes to the Rams. right? And they still have another four weeks before they have to cut him, before his salary becomes fully guaranteed. We don't know who's going to get injured. Hell, we don't know what's going to happen with Tom Brady. If I'm the 49ers, I'm thinking, oh, I know what we're seeing here, but I don't know what's going to happen with Tom Brady. This is weird. This is strange. This is wacky. Maybe the, maybe the Bucks are going to call us about Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. So my point is, my point is, in their zeal to – I don't think they're going to have the level of zeal that you think to get him to the Browns and, and, and move on so he can't land with another rival in the division. I, I think that they're going, to, they're going to look at this and they're going to say, boy, that's a shame, Cleveland. Sorry you don't have your quarterback this year, uh, but you're not getting any breaks here when it's time to figure out the appropriate compensation for us to fill your urgent need to have a quarterback this season. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, how are you looking at this? Do you – I mean, because the Rams obviously are the best situation. If they end up needing a quarterback, that's the best situation. That's the place that you would want to go. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, where do you hope to end up? Is it Seattle? Is it the 49ers? Is it the Brown? What gives you the best option to, to play well this season, to play games? Like, you don't want to go in there as a backup – because you're going to become a free agent in 2023. So what gives you the best chance to play and play well for this year? It's got to be Cleveland. It's got to be. We don't know what's going to happen in Seattle. I don't think Seattle wants him. It's not like he's been particularly good against Seattle over the past few years. And anybody else, it would be an injury situation. In Cleveland, he rides in on a white horse to save the season. They have an offense that is premised on the run. They've added Amari Cooper. They've got some weapons. They've got a great defense. He can go and have a decent season and then become a free agent and get, you know, who knows? Who knows what he would get on the open market? But Mitchell Trubisky was mothballed by the Bills last year. And ended up being the starter in Pittsburgh. And it looks like he's not going to blow that opportunity. He's going to be the week one starter again. He's got to prove it. But it's his job to lose. Every indication points to that. So, yeah, I think Cleveland makes the most sense for Jimmy Garoppolo. But, as you said, the sooner he gets there, the better. The sooner they get this done, the better. And that's the other wild card in all of this. At some point, I think Garoppolo's got to flex his muscles a little bit and say to the 49ers, this is what I want. Don't complicate this for me. That would be the only way that the 49ers would soften their demands. If Garoppolo says to Lynch or Shanahan, listen, I've been playing the nice guy routine. I've been going along with you all this time. I want to get to Cleveland. I'm going to cut my salary in half to get to Cleveland or whatever he's willing to do. Don't 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 be ridiculous about this. Don't don't make this into something just to prove that you were right all along or whatever the case may be. I want this. Help me get this. So, it's not going to be easy. 
because the Browns will be operating from a position of desperation, but it's, it, it seems like the best place for Jimmy Garoppolo, Shereen. I, I, I agree with you there, and we'll see. We'll see. By 5 o'clock Eastern, at the latest, I think we'll know. I think. I'm not predicting. Don't freezing cold takes me on this, but I just think based on everything we've seen and heard for the last week and a half, ever since Judge Sue Robinson issued her decision, and it's only intensified as the days have gone past and as the developments have happened, I think we're on the brink of Deshaun Watson being suspended for the full year, so the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation becomes very relevant. When we return, here's what's relevant. A discussion of week one of the 2022 preseason. A couple of games from last night. Our big takeaways when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. <laughs> 